Hi, welcome to North Church. We are so excited that you are here with us today. If you're new here, you can expect our services to be about an hour long. In a few moments, we're going to stand and sing, and then we're going to hear from one of North Church's Bible teachers. After the service, I want to invite you into our lobby. There you'll see a big, giant information center filled with warm and kind volunteers that want to help you get connected and also give you some more information about our church. You'll also see our full-service coffee bar. There we have warm and cold drinks, drip coffee, a donut, all ran off of your donation. Part of our mission here at North Church is connecting people into healthy and growing relationships. If you're new here at North Church or maybe you've been coming for a while, I want to invite you to First Connect. First Connect is a chance where you and a pastor are going to meet and talk about how you can get connected here at North Church. We love helping our community. One of the ways we do that is by partnering with Sir Spokane, which is right here on our campus. Sir Spokane helps people in need every single month by giving them food and clothing. And right now, they're in dire need of getting clothing for men and children. If you'd like to be a part of that, please drop off clothing right here in our lobby. There's a bin, and you'd be helping those people in need. This Wednesday, March 15th, we are hosting the Greater Than Conference. It's going to start at 6.30 p.m. right here at North Church. This is a conference for junior hires and high schoolers, where churches all over Spokane are going to come. They're going to have some fun. There's going to be some worship. And you're going to hear an amazing message about how God is greater than dating, pornography, sexuality, and just how to live a pure lifestyle for God. Also, parents, at the same time, we're bringing in Walt Mueller, who's going to help you and guide you on how to show your students, your children, how to live a pure and healthy lifestyle. If you have any questions about this event, please contact Pastor Kenny Barr or Nate Mead. And those are all the announcements we have for you today. If you'd like some more information, please check out our website at northchurch.net. There, if you scroll to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see our e-bulletin. There has all the upcoming events and information that you might need. Also, while you're on your mobile device, feel free to check into North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins provides one item in a basket for a refugee family coming to Spokane. If you need some prayer, feel free after service to step forward as a member of the prayer team would love to agree with you in prayer. Otherwise, please stand as we're about to sing. Yeah. 
Good morning. Welcome to the 10 o'clock service. We are so glad you are here. Yeah. Exciting, isn't it? Hey, what I want to ask you to do, we're, we're really glad if you're visiting today. What we need to do just to wake ourselves up is don't handshake, okay? High five each other. Say hello. Give your name out. Wake them up. Let's do it.
Yes, I like it. I see the energy. And visit our coffee bar today, especially. You'll need it. It's good. Hey, we, uh, we wanted to tell you about something going on Wednesday night. It's a conference called Greater Than. And uh, it's one that we've been planning for quite some time in conjunction with several other churches and organizations in our community. And uh, this is going to be an amazing time this Wednesday night. So if you're youth, junior high, senior high, senior high, senior high, you want to be up here at, uh, at uh, 630 because it'll go from 630 to 9 o'clock. There'll be games. There'll be some uh, just some amazing worship, some loud music, an inspiring talk as well. It's going to be on the subject of, of uh, the, the fact that God has something greater for us than what the world says, especially in the area of our relationships, sexuality, and our identity. And uh, so that's for, for any of our youth. Bring a friend with you as well. Uh, we want to pack this place out from youth all over the city. And then if you're a parent or a grandparent, uh, you'll want to make sure and come as well Wednesday night. You no, know, you don't get to hang out with the students. But uh, there's going to be a guest speaker, author, leader, uh, Walt Mueller, who uh, has, has uh, developed and authored a lot of material around the idea of connecting as a parent with your child and having important discussions with the topic of sexuality, relationships, and identity, something that can be difficult to talk with your student about. So that's going to be up here as well, 6.30 on Wednesday. But you do need to sign up for it, so go to the Greater Than website or uh, off of our own website and uh, look for that, sign up for that. Just go right out into the lobby after the service and you'll be able to sign up for that. Let's stand up together. We're gonna worship God. We are going to give him our very best no matter how you feel, whether you feel tired and sluggish or whether you feel energized and ready to go. We're gonna, we're gonna invoke our spirit to worship God today. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, that you would be glorified through our worship, through our time of giving you glory today. And we want to rise above, Lord, every feeling that we have, whether we're feeling up or whether we're feeling down. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you give us that passion to worship you. Amen. Let's do it.
together 
when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord
Feel free to have a seat. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus hung on the cross, the wicked one, working through evil people, curled insults at Jesus, crucifying him, mocking him, and doing their very best to cast shame on him. And yet Jesus, the scripture says, he scorned the shame, he rejected the shame. And shame says, I don't measure up. Shame says I'm a disappointment to God. Shame says God is unhappy with me and I can never be fixed. God wants to heal you and free you from shame because you're not a disappointment to God. You are his dearly beloved son or daughter and you are here for a reason. God is shedding his light in the area of our darkness and he's wanting to free us. He's wanting to make us whole. He's wanting us to know how to scorn that same shame that tries to lock us up. So let's pray right now, can we? Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus that you speak to us this morning through your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Free us. Lord, we've all heard that voice before that we are just a disappointment to you. God, we're rejecting that in the name of Jesus today. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to invite you to just talk to God right now where you're at. Invite him in. Ask him to speak to you today. Open your heart to him where he wants to touch something, heal something, bring light in an area. Let's pray and let's listen to his voice.
God, we just thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our life. God, we give you today and ask that you speak to us. We love you and thank you. We give you all our worship and all our praise and all that we are. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, at this time, we are going to receive our tithes and offerings. So if you brought a gift, you can prepare that right now. We have multiple ways that you can give. Uh, if you'd like, they'll be up here on the screen for you to see. And just want to say thank you for those of you who do give. It's because of your generosity in partnership uh, with us here as a church that we're able to affect so many people's lives and, and affect our community in so many different ways because of your gifts. So ushers, you can come forward and we're going to receive that now. And we're just going to kind of dive in this morning right now. Sound good? Nice. Let there be light. Nice. Hey, so Daylight Savings Day. You guys excited about that? I am so excited about it because I have little kids and I don't get to sleep in if I want to. So for me, it's exciting because I just get that extra hour of light on the back end later tonight. I'm just excited that that's what we get. Anyone else with me? Like you're, you care more about the extra, when it's middle of December, January, and it gets dark at 4 p.m., no one likes that, and we're just looking forward for months on end until today. And I've been looking forward to this day, and I am super glad that it's here. Because there's something about light that is just refreshing, isn't there? There's something about light that brings us joy, uh, there's something about light that brings us happiness. And that's what I love about daylight savings. Everyone's happier now. Once today's, oh, half of you, once today's over, right? Then you're happier. That's the thing. It's one of the most simple things in life that is free. It's just light. It brings us joy and happiness. So today we're going to continue our series as we look at this next I am statement that Jesus made, where he said, I am the light of the world. We're in the seven-week series looking at these seven I am statements that Jesus made and how they apply to us today. So Jesus said in John 8, 12, let's read this together. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light brings life good things, right? Bring, brings happiness and joy. Light also brings comfort and safety because no one likes the dark, right? Who here, when they were a kid, was afraid of the dark? Show of hands. Afraid of the dark. I was afraid of the dark. Who here still hasn't grown up from that and you're still afraid of the dark? That's me. I'm still afraid of the dark. But as a child, you learn some very key principles on how to survive in your bedroom at night. And maybe you know some of these with me, right? That you have to have your closet doors all the way shut because then it's a force field and nothing can get through it. Anything on the other side isn't going to get through it. But one of the most important ones is your blanket, right? If your blanket is all the way over you, nothing can get you from underneath the bed, right? So you can't have even like a finger or a toe hang out un over, under the blanket over on the bed because something could grab you. And then in the unfortunate event that you had to use the restroom in the middle 
of the night. You know there's this zone that the hands can reach. So what you have to do is you have to jump over and then use the restroom. And you do it really quickly. And then when you come back into your bed, you have to jump over the reach of that monster, right? So if you're jumping around trying to wake you guys up, it's daylight savings, come on. What else would help, a joke? Would a joke help you guys? How about this? A, a photon walks into a hotel and the bellboy says, can I take your bags for you? And he says, no, I'm traveling light. <laughs> It'll come to you, all right? Hey, here's the thing. All through the Bible, there's this contrast between light and dark. Remember in the beginning of Genesis where uh, the world was uh, the, covered in darkness, and God said, let there be light. Right, exactly. And then the Bible also refers to Satan as the prince of darkness. Yeah, so God is referred to as light, and Satan is referred to darkness. We see this all throughout the Bible. Here's one scripture verse out of Acts where it says, yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So we see this depiction all throughout the Bible in various different ways where God is shown as light and the enemy is shown as darkness. And so as we look at this I am statement that Jesus made, that he says, I am the light of the world, it comes from John chapter eight. So if you got your Bible, your I Bible, you can open it up there. And to fully grasp this uh, statement that Jesus Made. We're gonna have to back up just a few verses from verse 12 back to verse two in John chapter eight. And if you've been around church much in your life, and maybe in Sunday school or youth group or whatever, you've probably heard this I am statement where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And you've probably heard this story that we're gonna look at before as well. But maybe you've never seen these two come together. And the story we're gonna look at in John eight two, before we get to this I am statement, is this woman who has been caught in this very shameful sin of adultery right before Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So let's pick it up there, John 8, 2. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So here's the first thing, is that the law reveals our guilt, okay? So you see that this woman was guilty according to the law of Moses. And these people came and grabbed her in the middle of this act and said that this woman is guilty uh, according to the law. This was one of the worst sins you could commit and you could be stoned for it, okay? And not recreationally speaking, all right? We're talking rocks getting hurled at you until you die. This woman was caught in this act, middle of the act, and she was drug out. She was probably naked. Maybe she had enough time to like grab a sheet and throw around her, and then she was thrown in a crowd of people. This is like an incredibly shameful scenario for her to be in, probably the most shameful time of her life, and just extremely embarrassing, right? And these accusers knew that she was guilty. 
These accusers knew that she had broken the law, and then now they tried to use this to trap Jesus. Because if Jesus had said that um, he agreed with her being stoned, well, then he would lose his reputation for being loving. But if he didn't agree with her being stoned, then he would be condoning adultery, which is against the law. So he, they use this to try and trap Jesus. And so we're gonna look at his response in just a second. But the law, it reveals our guilt. The laws that are set that we see in the Bible, really it just reveals our guilt that we just don't measure up. We sin. All of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It just reveals our guilt. Now I'm on a diet plan right now where I have to eat certain things. I don't like eating vegetables that much, honestly. Unless you can dip it in ranch, it's not any good. And on a diet, you don't get any ranch. So there's nothing good about it. But I can go days on end eating perfectly healthy. I could go weeks on end eating perfectly healthy. And then like, why do I feel guilty when I have that one chocolate covered raisin? It's half healthy, isn't it? And I just, it, but we're talking about a deeper, different kind of guilt than that. The guilt that we've done something against God. That we've sinned against God and we're guilty for it. And that the, the things that we do, the sin that we do in life, it's the very thing that separates us from God for eternity. That we've all sinned and the, the law reveals our guilt. So I just thought we could test this out really quick just to see how good we really are in this room. Is that okay? You guys all right with that? Can we test this out? Sure, yeah, sounds great. Cool, that's what I thought. So uh, here's what, I was gonna do a few of the 10 commandments and just raise your hand if, if you've been guilty of this, okay? So we'll start really simple and easy, okay? First one is, who in here has ever lied before? Who's in here has ever lied? Even when your spouse says, do these jeans make me look fat? You know, we're talking all kinds of lies, okay? All kinds of lies. You've ever lied before? So if you've lied before, then you would be called a liar, right? Okay, let's step it up a small notch. Who in here has ever stolen before? You've ever, something small even, stolen something small? Yeah, you made copies at your work and you took their paper, okay? <laughs> Who's ever stolen before? There, we, yeah, we got some in here. So if you've stolen something before, if you're, then what are you called? You would be called a thief, yes. The previous service was really tired and they said that you would be called a stealer. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's not true. Those are the referees who robbed us, not the Steelers, okay? <laughs> so, you'd be called a thief. Now, we'll step it up another notch. Who's ever uh, used God's name in vain before, okay? Go uh, golfers, I'm looking at you now, okay? <laughs> Who's ever taken God's name in before? So, if you've taken God's name uh, in vain before, then you would be called a blasphemer, right? Okay, we're, gonna, we're just gonna do one more here, okay? This one, you can just look straight. You don't have to look at... You don't have to look at people beside you. But who here has ever lusted after another person before? Okay, I have. So I'm going to be the first to admit I've done that before. Okay, and, if, and what Jesus says is if you've even lusted after another person, that's actually adultery of the heart. So if you've even lusted after another person, then you would be called an adulterer, right? So you guys are all lying, stealing, blaspheming adulterers. Way to go. <laughs> Welcome to North Church. <laughs> Glad that you're here today. It's going to be a good one. No, here's the thing, right? Is that the law, it just reveals that we don't measure up. It reveals that we are guilty, that we have 
all sinned. We've all lied. We've all done these things. And the thing is, is unless we see ourselves as sinners, then we won't ever see our need for a savior. Because it's really easy to go through life and think that I'm just a really good person. You know, I help out. I, I, I serve, I, I give of my time or my money, I, I try hard, I, I don't do bad things, I read my Bible, I go to church, yet somehow through this, we can sometimes come to the conclusion that, well, I'm better person than these people over here, I, I'm, I'm a better person than this person, I don't do as many bad things as them, and I really struggle with this. You know, you know, as someone who's grown up in the church and so you just get locked into sometimes just doing the religious acts, that you just kind of sometimes just get locked into like, I'm a better person than some people. And you get locked in this idea that somehow I, I've reached something that someone hasn't, or I measure up to God, but someone else doesn't measure up to God. And really, what is that inside of me? That's just my own pride. That, that, that's nothing that I've done that has made me better than anyone. Uh, it's just my pride. That's all it is. And as we read on and we look at that Jesus doesn't look at just the outward lifestyle that maybe this woman was caught in this lifestyle of sin, but Jesus actually looks at the depth of our heart. And my heart sometimes has pride in it. And we were gonna read on and we're gonna see this. So in John 8, verse six, it says, but Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. So the accusers come to him and say, what should we do with this woman? Should we stone her? And he bends down and he writes in the ground. Now this is really interesting, okay? So scholars have wondered, you know, what did Jesus write in the sand uh, for a long, long, long time? But as later manuscripts uh, have been recovered over time, it shows that uh, most scholars kind of think along this train of thought that he probably wrote in the sand of his finger the sins of the accusers of the woman. So later manuscripts kind of show this. So the Greek word for to write down is graphene, and then the Greek word for against is kata. And so the word that's used in here is kata graphene, which means to write down record against someone. And so this is where most scholars would kind of pick this up as they go, well, this is the word that was used that he probably wrote down a record against the accuser, saying he wrote in the sand their own sins because Jesus is God in the flesh, and he knows all, and he knew everything, every detail about this woman, and he knew every detail about these accusers, because he looks at something deeper than just the outward lifestyle, but also the inward heart. And as we stop and just really quickly and think about this, you know, we see two very different type of people in this story. So we see this woman who's caught in the act of adultery. You know, she's uh, caught up in this lifestyle of sin. That's kind of this public lifestyle of sin. And she's trying to fill her life with pleasures and trying to find love in all the wrong places. We see that. And then there's this group of the accusers that think they have it all together. They think they're kind of above her, that we've measured up to the law, but she hasn't. And look at her, look at what she's done, and uh, what, what should we do, Jesus? That these people, these accusers, had pride in their heart. There was something going on in their heart that was deeper that they had not seen. And Jesus kind of shows these accusers something, that in the eye of God, that they're all sinners too. They've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because God looks at the heart, not just the outside. So we read on, Jesus said, 
he's writing in the ground, and, and when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And this word without sin, this phrase without sin, in the Greek it translated would actually really mean without sin or ever even wanting to sin. So when the accusers come to Jesus and they say, should we stone her? And Jesus responds to them and says, well, whoever of you who is without sin, you can throw the first stone. What's really happening is them saying, well, she doesn't measure up to the law of Moses, what should we do? And he says, okay, those of you who've never sinned or even ever wanted to sin, you can throw the first stone at her. That yeah, Moses may have set this bar, but God, he sees something deeper than that. Parents, maybe you'll relate to this, you know, this, the rule breaking and measuring up and stuff, that we try and set rules in our homes, right? Good, decent rules that all people should follow. And, and, and then it, we kind of realize sometimes that it's hard to keep them ourselves. You ever done this before? Me and Chantel, we do this in our home. We have good, decent rules, and Grant will come home, our son, he's five years old, he'll come home, and he'll say something he doesn't really even know what he's saying. He'll say something like, that was stupid. And we'll go, Grant, that is a naughty word. You cannot say stupid. And then it could, like, weeks could go later. I'll come home from work or come home from hanging out with someone, and I'll be, like, just talking. I'll be like, oh, that was so stupid. And we know our kids, right? They love it to trap you in your own rules. And Grant will go, Daddy, that is a naughty word. We do not say stupid. And I'll go, Grant... I know, but it's easy to want to set up man-made rules, right, and expect people to follow them when really in the end there's issues in our own heart that we haven't even figured out yet or solved yet. We all fall short. This woman fell short of the glory of God. The accusers fell short. And as we read on, Jesus in John 8, 8, again he stoops down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older first. Now, why did the oldest leave first? I don't know, probably because they were a lot smarter than the younger. And they were like, I don't wanna be a part of what's happening all of a sudden, I'm getting out of here. Maybe it's because they lived longer and they had sinned more, and they knew that what, this road that was going down wasn't gonna be good. But the oldest left, followed by the younger, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. I love this, that Jesus, the one person standing there that had the right to invoke the law of Moses, the one person who had never sinned, instead of invoking this law and stoning this woman, what, no, Jesus' mission was to serve and to show love. And all the people left, and he goes, I don't condemn you, and just gave this woman his love and his grace. What this woman needed was to feel loved. This, what this woman needed was his grace, and what Jesus gave her was love, grace, and freedom in her life. And we can find ourselves in points like that along the way throughout life, right? Uh, maybe not in this very shameful act where you're naked on the ground, but we can find ourselves where we feel like accusers are coming after us, right? Maybe people at your work or your school, people tell you, you know, make fun of you or tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it is. We, we can go through life where maybe we mess up and we just feel like the world is against us. And what 
God wants to show you through his son Jesus is that he loves you, that you are loved, that you need his grace and his mercy and it's freely there for you. What she needed was to know that she was loved and God gave her that because grace changes everything, changes everything in her life. What Jesus gave this woman who was just entrenched in sin was love. God revealed his love and grace to this woman when she never deserved it. She never deserved anything, but God gave it to her anyway. And yet to the accusers, he revealed their pride and revealed their sin. Today, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself in the place of this woman? Maybe like in just living a lifestyle out far from God where you're far from him and you're involved in some things that just bring inner darkness to you, that you've sinned against God. Maybe you feel like you're, you've done too many bad things to come to God, that he would never accept me, he would never love me for who I am. Maybe you feel that no one would love you for that matter. You just feel like you're just, find yourself in darkness, needing acceptance and love. Or maybe you find yourself this morning in the spot of the accusers, easily picking apart other people, accusing other people of all the things they do wrong, easily showing up to work and knowing all the faults of your coworkers, easily picking apart your spouse and all his or her faults, or at school just easily knowing and, and figuring out all the things that everyone has done wrong just accusations of people, whether it's in your heart, mind, or uh, to another person. You find yourself in the spot of the woman or the accusers today. You find yourself in the spot of the woman. God wants to give you his love and his grace for you to know that you are accepted. Even within the midst of your deepest brokenness, God wants to give you his love that you don't gotta fix yourself up and, and fix up things and then come to God and say, look, I kinda got my life cleaned up. Now will you accept me? No, he loves you right now in the midst of your deepest brokenness. And as maybe if you find yourself in the spot of an accuser, God wants to show you first and foremost, well, there's a pride issue there. And there, there's something going on there that's, that's deeper than, than just you got it figured out and no one else does. Wants to show you, reveal to you maybe your own pride and your own sin and that you have a need for a savior as well and that that grace is available for you as well. But when we come to God, his light reveals these things in our heart. His light reveals these things, whether it be pride or brokenness. And when we come to him and we receive his grace, we give up ourself. His grace says that you are not defined by what you've done. You are not who others say that Revelation 12 calls Satan the accuser and he resembles all darkness, and that the accuser will accuse you and remind you of your past and say, remember what you've done here, that you could never measure up, you could never go back to that person, they would never accept you, God would never love you for who you are, that the accuser will remind you of your past, and you just have to remember that when the accuser reminds you of your past, you always remind him of his future, which is defeat in the end. 
and that you are forgiven and that you are loved and that God, by God's grace, you are not defined by what you've done. You are not defined by the, the things that, how you've messed up, but you are defined by his grace and your identity is found in him. And I love how Jesus tells this woman, I don't condemn you. There's no condemnation in Jesus. That even within all our brokenness, Jesus doesn't condemn us and say, yeah, you haven't measured up. You didn't do it right. Jesus loves us exactly the same. Maybe you find yourself in church today and have maybe received some condemnation from others. I want you to know that Jesus does not condemn you. He only loves you this morning. And he wants you to come to him and receive his free gift of grace and the light that he brings in your life that brings life and that by his grace, you can move forward. As we read on, Jesus then told this lady, he said, I don't condemn you. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. There's kind of this urgency to this, that, that she had been trapped in sin in this lifestyle probably for a long time, and he said, go, leave this life. He didn't say, I know that you've kind of struggled with this for a while, and it's kind of been hard for you, so you can kind of slowly get out of it, as you know, time needs, and you'll kind of make it out. And he says, go and leave immediately. Leave your life of sin right now. And maybe for you today, you've been kind of trapped in some darkness as well, or an area of your life that has been darkened, whether it be a, something secret going on, or adultery, or pornography, materialism, anger, forgiveness, unforgiveness, whatever it may be, that this darkness doesn't lead to life, because Jesus says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk, walk in darkness, but will have the life that leads to life that this does not lead to that. He says, go and leave that immediately. And that is what leads to life. Don't think about it, wait on it, slowly get out of it. Don't be content with anything less than now. Leave that life. Because the light of the world, who Jesus is, light brings life to us all. Light brings life. And this woman who was caught in adultery, and when Jesus extended his love and grace, and went on to say, I am the light of the world. Jesus, in this moment to this woman, this woman was, uh, it was not just, I am the light of just the world to her, but what he was really saying for her was, I am the light of your world. I'm the light of her world. He is the light of my world and of your world. In this moment, Jesus became the light of this woman's world, that she left with a new start. She left with a new outlook on life. She left with freedom. She left with the hope that is found in Jesus, who is the light of the world, because his light brings hope to us, that Jesus was the light of her world, and Jesus can be the light of your world today as well, that we can also leave full of hope full of joy, full of life, because light brings life. Light, uh, Jesus, the light of the world, is our hope. Then as we pursue Jesus, as we pursue the things that pleases him, it brings us life. 
And then it also can bring life and light into others because we are the representation of Jesus. And if you have said yes to him and received him into your heart, you now have the light of the world residing in you. And now you get to become the light in other people's life with, the, with Jesus being in and working through you. That you carry that with you and you can bring hope into other people by having the light of the world living, walking, leading you. You become this light. Ephesians 5, 8 puts it this way. It says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And I love that. You become light when you pursue Jesus. When you leave uh, your former sin, you leave that former self, and you run and pursue the light of life that is found in Jesus, that even in all the uncertainty, his light will guide your path, that you become the light, you become illuminated. And I love the aspect of, of this because we see this play out all throughout our church. But one area that I love seeing is throughout Rooted. And if you've been through Rooted, you probably have seen this too, where you know, people go into it and they have these dark areas sometimes in their life. Maybe they don't even know about it. But then throughout Rooted, the process, it comes to that, that strongholds week where we kind of break free of those things. The light shines in. And then people's life changes. And on that celebration night, if you've ever been here where people have the cardboard signs, and it's like, I was once in darkness, but now I am in light. It's powerful to see people's journey where they were once had areas of darkness, but then with Jesus coming in and infecting their life, illuminating their life, now they have this light. They have this new walk, this new pep in their step, you know, because they have the light of the world inside them. It changes us. And now that Jesus lives inside of us, we begin to become the practical hands and feet of Jesus to our world because we are the representation of Jesus who is the light of the world. That means you get to bring hope to others. That means at your work, when you have coworkers who are really struggling, you get to bring hope and light into the world and, and, and help them through difficult times. That means at your school, when you see people who are alone or lonely, you literally get to bring the light and hope of life into them. And to bring them out of loneliness, but into acceptance, which is found in Jesus, to give people love. Or when you're staying home with your kids and the kids are being crazy, you get to be the practical representation of the light of the world in them. You get to, in the areas that they're still in darkness, you get to show them what light and acceptance and love looks like. You get to bring light into little ones life and that is amazing and as we pursue God and not out of our pride that says I'm better than some other people and you know I'm spiritual enough so I can do certain things no but out of a desire that knows that I am in need of a savior because I am a sinner I do not measure up and out of that Jesus has forgiven me I'm able to freely love other people and bring light into other people's lives because of what God has done for me I never deserved it but God gave it to me anyways. That is the hope of the world. 
And maybe today, if you find yourself in darkness, Jesus is the light that guides you. That you might be struggling today, you might be sitting here today, and you've never received his grace before. That, that your life might still feel like it's in darkness, and Jesus wants to come in today and bring light into your life. That, that light that leads to a life found in him. And so I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, if you've never received his grace, that you would do that this morning. That, that might be walking with that inner darkness that feels like it follows you around or a depression or sadness, loneliness. The light that God can shine in the most inner parts of your life and soul and bring life to where there was once darkness. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for we are saved by his grace. Grace is something that you never deserved. Not by works, not by something that you had to do to measure up for. It is a free gift of God so that no one can boast and have pride, right? Jesus wants to give you his grace, not because you've done anything or you're a good enough person or a bad enough person. He just wants to give you his grace freely because it is a free gift of God because he's the light of the world and he can shine in those dark areas of your life. And as you pursue him, you can actually live the life that, that uh, he speaks of and talks about that brings hope and light and life and joy in the midst of darkness and pain. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. And if that's you, I want you to know three very simple things this morning, okay? First thing is that Jesus loves you for exactly who you are. Second is that Jesus died for you so that you could be made right with God. Thirdly, he forgives you and wants to be in a relationship with you forever. So if that's you and you've never entered into a real relationship with Jesus, you've never actually received his grace and the light into your life, I want you to pray this very simple prayer with me, okay? God, I'm here today and I don't know everything, but I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me, Jesus. Would you come in and Forgive me in my, the areas that I have done wrong. Would you come into my heart and be the Lord, the Savior, and the leader of my life? I want to follow you for the rest of my days. If you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand showing me that you prayed that prayer for the first time? Good. Yeah, thanks. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, help us to live as people who see our need for you. God, that we would love people and serve people and bring light into people's lives out of a passion that you loved us first. God, that we wouldn't pick apart other people, we wouldn't make accusations, God, but we would be the light of the world. We'd be your representation. God, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done. Continue to guide us and all that we do. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, so I have one last thing for you today, okay? So as you leave, what I want you to do is I want you to start to think about as, as we are the light, the representation of Jesus, and he is the ultimate light of the world who brings hope. 
that I want you to start to think about who in your life, in your world, needs to come into relationship with him. Who in your world maybe is experiencing some darkness and is maybe far from God right now? Who in your world could use the, the hope and the light that leads to life? And what I want you to start to do is if you can't think of it, start to pray for someone that God would uh, bring someone on your heart, maybe at work or school, but most of us probably know a person or two. And what I want you to do is I want you to start praying for that person, that one, maybe they would come to one of the rest of these weeks in this series, but maybe that you would have the boldness and courage to invite them to bring them to our Easter service, which is coming up as well. That as we end this series, it's gonna end on Easter, and that they would maybe experience God in either a new and fresh way, or maybe they'd experience who Jesus is for the very first time. Be thinking of that person, start to pray for that person, and maybe even begin a conversation about coming with me to church. Can we do that? Awesome. Well, hey, if you're new or you are newer here, uh, Pastor Mike is gonna be right under this monitor for our first connect. He would love to talk with you more about who we are as a church, hear more about who you are. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.